Hello, Tile friends, and welcome back to another episode of Tile Money. This is the podcast where we discuss the business of being a tile contractor. My name is Luke Miller, your host, a licensed tile contractor myself. I saw a need to help my fellow tile contractors get business questions answered and have conversations specifically with tile contractors and other professionals, other professionals that can help. So we do that on a weekly basis. And uh, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the podcast. We've got over 100 episodes to listen to. Go back, check them out. You're sure to find something beneficial. I want to thank my sponsors, the NTCA and Ladecree International for sponsoring and backing this podcast. It means the world to us that you're willing to uh, help tile contractors everywhere strengthen their businesses. And it is working. We're hearing positive things from everybody uh, around the world. Really, they're, they're sending us messages of love and of appreciation. So thank you, NTCA. Thank you, Latacrete, for supporting this podcast. All right. We've got another great interview for you to listen to today. I interviewed Rob Bauer. And Rob has a lot of experience, folks, in running a successful business. Towards the end, he told us his bits and pieces of his story in the beginning. And then even in the end, we got into more. Um, but really what we focused on was job costing. Job costing at the end, during and at the end of the job, before the job, you know, estimating how much it's going to cost you, of course, but really tracking those numbers and why this is so important and why this can really have a major impact on your business health, on your profitability percentage. And I know you're going to enjoy and benefit a lot from this podcast. Rob's a great guy. If you are on Facebook, check him out. Rob Bauer, uh, he, he's got a great Facebook group. We talk about it in the end. Towards the end, I'll, I'll have a link in the show notes for that, Tile Friends. All right. Enjoy this episode right now. Hi, Rob. How are you today? Hey, Luke. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Thanks for joining us. Sure. So where are you joining us from? And give us kind of the 10,000-foot the overview of uh, different businesses, construction, remodel businesses you've had. Sure. Um, I'm in Birmingham, Alabama, and um, I have been remodeling for 48 years. And during that time, uh, opportunities would come up to buy other businesses. And so I'm actually, um, I do remodeling, but I've also now gotten into consulting with remodelers. And, uh, and with that, um, well, I guess uh, the main thing is, uh, you know, as we began to buy other companies uh, that would pop up along, you know, through the years, we always did remodeling. But I'd have an opportunity to buy my um, electrical subcontractor's business. He left actually to go back to school. And then um, my plumber got into a tight one time and he approached me and, and he said, can you just buy me out mm. and, I, and I'll come work for you. And so and several things happened like that. And then I realized I can actually do that with um, any of the businesses that I that I hire. Um, so I, with that, I built a painting company and then the painting company would do all of the paintwork for my remodeling company. And then the list would go on and on with a millworks company and a gutter company. And, um, and so now my consulting business is actually my 25th business. Um, if it made sense, we would just acquire another business and then bring them into what we were doing. 
Okay. So that's what, that's what we've been do, doing. That's the, like I say, at 10,000 feet, yeah. looking at it, that's, that's who we are. So, <laughs> well, good, good. So lots of experience. And that's one of the, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm really excited about is, you know, not just with a, with a general contractor business or a builder business, you've kind of encompassed all these other subcontractor businesses and gotten to know, you know, how to run those businesses successfully yeah. as well. So, uh, Matthew says, hi, thanks, Matthew, for joining us. Appreciate, appreciate you being in here. Um, and looking forward to you with any questions you have, feel free to ask Rob or myself as we get discussing here. What is, sure. uh, Rob, tell us about today's topic, job costing, uh, why it's of importance and kind of, you know, get us started. Well, you know, just a, a little background there. You and I had discussed about 25 plus items. We tried to think mm -hmm. what would be the best thing to talk about. Um, and, and we come up with five or six of those. I believe you, uh, you had posted a poll. And, uh, and the job costing really is reviewing the job after the job is over with in order to see what you can learn from the job, mm. and uh, which is, is sort of a luxury when, you're, when you have your tools on uh, right. and you're working in the field, which I did. I was working with my tools on doing all of the remodeling, all of the tile work, all of the, the painting, the plumbing, electrical, carpentry, cabinets, every, every phase of the job for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And then I moved into the office for about 25 years. And um, in doing that, what you've got is is this whole you know large group of things that you're doing, and you realize you can't devote the time to everything like you want to. And when I finally had the chance to move into the office, then I was able to dig in and begin to actually run the business like a CEO. Mm -hmm. And one of those things, as running it like the owner as opposed to the technician who was in the field. I had great people in the field. They were handling and taking care of everything there. So I could begin to concentrate on what do I need to do to, to learn how to run a business? Something which, by the way, they don't teach you in school. Right. Uh, you can go through college and there's a list of about 20 things that you don't learn. I don't care where you go. And, uh, and so for me, it was, it was basically trial and error. And it got to the point where I was, I was realizing you know, I've talked about watching my prices and making sure that my materials and my labor actually come out to exactly what I thought they would so that I can make, I can pay my overhead and make the net profit that I want to. Mm -hmm. But I never really had the time to dig into that, to actually find out how would someone do this. And, and that's what began to happen with the business is that we would we realized if we wanted to perfect it, we had to basically find a way to sand the data, you know, basically scrub it, polish it down and get the data to talk to us. Yeah. And in doing that, specifically what, the, what we, what your, uh, your viewers or members wanted was, was a little bit of detail about that. And that in particular is, um, it, it was actually, uh, fun once I got into it and I realized how much the numbers could talk to me mm -hmm. and what I could do to change the business by knowing those numbers. And let me give a little bit of a, of, of a platform here. The average remodeling company in the U.S., um, and I don't know how this portrays to the other businesses, but in remodeling last year, the good remodelers in the U.S. made 5.2% net profit, wow. which is really lousy. Yeah. 
And, uh, and in that doing that, ones. <laughs> what's that? That was the good remodelers, you say? <laughs> yeah, and was, where does that information that was, come from? Uh, that's the National Association of Home Building. Okay. Um, they, they're tracking information like that uh, constantly, and we're members of that group. Yep. And, uh, and so we get that data. And, uh, and in my business, originally, what I wanted to do is I set a goal to pay for my materials, my labor, my subcontractors, all my, you know, everything that had to do with the job, and then pay all my overhead expenses. And then I wanted to make a 10% net profit. Mm-hmm. And so in looking at this, I'm going, well, I'm aiming at 10%, but most companies are making about 5.2. It actually went down from last year. And, uh, and it's like, how do you get this to come out at 10? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you eliminate the little sneaky things that are in your business that are stealing, mm-hmm. uh, that are robbing you basically of the money that should be yours. And one way of doing that is to make sure you do job costing on every job. You track all your cost. Yeah. And in particular, we actually track the cost as the job is moving. So if we get an invoice, it gets entered into the data. So we're building that information all the way through the job. What did our, our what did it cost for our carpenters? What did it cost for our painters? Yeah. It, did it cost exactly what we thought it would? Or was there some variance? And can, can we make up that variance in any way? And so what you're doing is, is you're, you're building all of this data into the information so that you can review that to see how did I do and one of the ways, and again, in the big picture, one of the things that we did is we were looking at, um, um, when, when we were aiming at 10%, our, we realized, and it's a professional uh, standard uh, taught by some people in the industry, is that you're probably going to lose about 4% of that, which holds pretty true when we see how much you know, people are making. Yeah. And so my initial goal was was to only lose four percent out of that ten percent, and that was that's sort of the uh, the bar that set is that you're going to have some mistakes. Right. One of one of the interesting things that most people don't talk about, but that we found out, is that you're going to lose about two percent of what you bid the job to be in production, mm-hmm. and you're going to lose two percent in administrative. Mm-hmm. And I had never thought of losing money on the administrative side. But part of this is that is everyone in the field is doing everything they can to, produ- to produce the product. There are going to be little mistakes. And so you say, okay, that, that's, you know, but I'm thinking, well, that's where the 4% comes in. Mm-hmm. But the more I looked at it, I realized that in the office, we weren't checking. We weren't doing from an administrative stand- standpoint from my, you know, with my bookkeeper, my accountants, my CPA, they weren't tracking their numbers so that we could learn from it so we could adjust what we were charging. Mm-hmm. And so the more data we get, then I could, I could look at exactly what was going on and raise my prices, you know, up 1%, 2%, whatever I needed to in order to get that to adjust out yeah. so that we, we would make the profit that we expected. Um, and at this point, we're not even talking about going beyond that, which is possible. But we're talking about how can I lock that in and know what my costs are. Mm-hmm. Some people in the industry call that slippage and grippage. Yeah. I held on to my money or I held on to a little bit more or money slipped right through my hands and I lost this much money. So what we did is we decided that we would name every dollar that comes through the company. We would give it a name. It would fit into a category 
every dollar that came into our uh, administrative hands from an overhead standpoint, we wanted to know exactly where that went. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, we file all that using other systems. We file that into categories so we know where we're losing money, where we're gaining money. And it finally got to the point with the business where we were able to control that. We didn't know how well it had evolved until one year I went to my, uh, I was sitting with my secretary and I said, can you run some numbers and tell us how we're doing on our, you know, slippage and grippage? You know, how are we doing? We bid the job to cost this much. What did it cost? But I don't want you to do it on on the individual job. I want you to do it on the whole company. Mm -hmm. How did we do last year? And according to what we bid the job to be. And so she came back and she said, well, you lost uh, 0.06% wow. for the year. And so I was pretty pleased with that. I kind of shocked. I said, you know, my goal was to lose 4%. You're telling me, you know, and I said, you're telling me that we only lost, you know, $600 out of every $100,000 that we didn't work. And she said, yeah, we've got everything accounted for. Everything's under control with the other you know, systems we put in place. We've been able to control our cost. And so with that, um, actually, I even went and asked her, I said, well, since we name every dollar in the company, and I said, then you know what that 0.06% is. You know where that $600 is. And she says, well, I can look it up. So she goes, she looks it up. She gets back in touch with me the next week. She said, we found the problem. She said, and the problem is you. And I was like, well, what am I doing? And she said, well, you're actually giving away um, some small change orders and you're not doing the paperwork on them. And you're averaging giving away about two change orders for every $100,000 worth of work we do. Okay. And those amount to about $200 each. And I said, okay, well, that makes sense. But but I give away, I give it away because it's a small item and it's not worth doing the paperwork on. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm, I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm just saying you're the problem. That's and I said, okay. I said, well, tell me this. Uh, I said, that's $400. Where's the other 200? And she said, well, that's you too. Um, <laughs> and what you're doing is if we offend anyone, you show up at their door with a $20 box of fancy chocolate and you apologize, and you do that about 10 times for every $100,000 worth of work we do. And so there's the other 200. And I said, but when I give those chocolates to the neighbors and I apologize, or I give it to the people across the street and apologize, I said, we get a lot of work from that. And so it's a good idea. And she said, I'm not telling you not to do it. What I'm telling you is that that's where the money's going. Right. So I said, so we can increase our prices by 0.06% and we can pay for those losses. And she said, yeah, we can do that. I said, okay, let's change how we price our jobs and do that. And the next year we came in at zero. We knew exactly what it was costing us. And one of the main ways that we did that, of course, we switched over to subcontractors Mm -hmm. for every phase of the business, every, every trade in my business where for decades I had four, I had 14 employees and then when I saw that there was a different business model that we could go to, we switched over and began to subcontract all the work for locked-in prices from every one of our trade contractors so that we could control the cost on the job. 
Mm-hmm. And so in doing that, we actually built a, built a system on all of our jobs where when we price the job, we have the material cost price and the labor for every item. And right beside those items, we have another um, we have another column that tells us you priced it for this. What was the actual? And then we list this is what the material actually cost. This is what the labor actually cost. And by doing that, we actually can build the job in a budget form before we start the job, before we get the contract, Mm -hmm. we can have everything locked down so that we know if we offer this price for this job, everybody's going to be paid. We're going to have the overhead money that we need and we'll make the profit that we want to make. Mm -hmm. And so with that, um, we build that system where everything is written down. And because I didn't want to spend all my time doing that, I had my bookkeeper set that up. Here's what we expected for materials. Here's what they actually cost. Here's what we expected in labor. Here's what it actually cost. Here's what we expected with a, with a trade contractor. Again, here's what this actually cost. And we would go through the entire project and then and we would find out what the variance was on that. Sometimes what we would do, we found out we could use that to find out if there was a variance before we offered the contract and we could change our price when we went to offer the, the contract. But then afterwards, did anything change during the job? And about how much did it change? How many dollars? Then I asked my secretary, I said, now convert that money into percentages because I can understand percentages easier. Money gets me distracted when I see dollar signs. Right. So, but if you give me percentages, it's like smart. it's an easier business decision. Yeah. Smart. And so with that, it's like what I started realizing is, okay, you're off by 2% on your plumbing on a consistent basis. Your numbers are off mm. or you're off on your framing and your carpentry. You're off by 17%. And so that was the huge eye opener was that we're, we're actually losing money on all of our framing and carpentry work. And so we had to go back and make sure that as we wrote those contracts, that we were more aware of exactly what we thought these things would cost. And, and so that we're tracking those in the beginning. And what happened by doing that, we could actually do the job and then we would actually modify some of the expenses during the job so that uh, anywhere that we could, uh, in order to make the job come out, basically, as everyone does, on time and on budget. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and so that was, uh, and it was tracking that, getting that information that enabled us to learn and get better at what we were doing. But it means at the end of every job, you have to check every receipt according to what you thought you would spend. Yeah. Because again, that's when we found out, well, gosh, we're spending $100 on a job on miscellaneous. Right. I need, so I need a miscellaneous category. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, actually, I need a little bit of sandpaper. I need, I need some more rags. I need things that you don't think about. And you begin to build those into every project so you know exactly what it costs. Here's a side effect of doing that. When I go in and present a price to a client, I am absolutely confident in that price. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot sell that job for less than that because I have confidence because I've done my homework. Right. Something which I... Which I literally hate to do, but I made myself do it because I run a business. And so when when they, when they mentioned to me, they asked me whether I would do the job for less then I go, absolutely not. This is exactly what it costs me to do this job. Right. And so because I know that I don't feel bad about it, I don't 
apologize for my price because the price is exactly what it's supposed to be. So what happened is I'm building my own confidence levels in my business by knowing my numbers, knowing exactly what it cost me. It doesn't matter whether someone else, if someone is more expensive than me or less expensive, only thing that matters is are my numbers right? And then I never waver. I never negotiate my prices. I mean, the benefits of of job costing are clear, you know, from, from that story and appreciate that. What kind of time frame are we talking a, a few years there between when you started doing this and, and to the point where you were able to get it, get it right? You know, a, a lot of people ask, ask me that specific question, Luke. It really, they're really, for me personally, I mean, it took decades to figure it out. All right. Here, here's the other side of it. It's figured out. It's right. like, it's, you don't have to go back again. I, as I mentioned, I've been doing remodeling for 48 years. It's like I paid heavily for all of those life lessons. And so one of the things I did in preparing for this meeting was I took a sheet of paper and I wrote down every item that I would use on a tile job. Mm -hmm. And of course, again, let me, let me emphasize for 20 years, I did my own tile work. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, I can use putty and paint on trim Mm -hmm. on tile. It's like you throw, you throw it away and you can make another cut. Right. There is no variance. It's absolute. And so you, again, it's a, which works well with a trim carpenter who's good, but a tile guy has to be good every day, you know? (laughs) And uh, so, so I understand that. And uh, my father worked in the business and he, that was one of his favorite things to do was to do tile work. Mm -hmm. I think he liked the fact that he could get set up and, he could have everything draped and covered and could turn and work. He'd love to do backsplashes in particular. Mm. Um, and again, the customers, you know, love that so much because the change is so quick. Right. And, uh, but in doing that, one of the things I did is I sat down, if I was going to create a graph just of a tile company, which I know some of, some of your guys and girls obviously are also doing remodeling because it spills over mm-hmm. in, in, once you get into that. And the homeowner wants you to do all of the other things. You just decide what you will and won't do. But I, I, what I did is I just made a list. There's 16 things that I came up with that would fit in a category if I was just doing tile. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would start with, first off, you've got to have the design. Well, in that, there's a cost to it, to doing the design. Um, one of the things that you can do is you can charge for yeah. making that drawing. One of the things that we still do on, on all of our remodeling jobs is I have my designers draw the tile and I have them draw the exact pattern that is going to be on the wall right. in exact right. dimensions so that when we hand, we can hand a 3D drawing to our tile con- contractor and say, here's where I want you to start. Here's what it's going to look like on the end. Yeah. You know, they're not, the, the, the tile, tile man's not sitting there going, well, how do they want me to do this? Or, you know, do I split the line here or do I split the tile here? Do, you know, how do I finish this off? How do I cap this in? Everything is designed into the job so that they don't have to have that decision. Yeah. We can uh, we can show them exactly what's going to happen. And uh, and that with a designer, it's a little tedious if you're doing, you know, some intricate, you know, work above the stove and, and trying to get all of that drawn in, but it's worth it. Um, well, because- the nice thing about that, and everything we've been talking about thus far, I mean, you said in the beginning, this job costing is a bit of a luxury 
item when you're on the tools. <laughs> and I understand what you mean, but we also understand it's a necessity if you're going it to uh, have a profitable business. Um, and, and with the designing of the jobs and the drawing and, and the designing and, and drawing to scale, that's also could be considered a luxury. But if you're, if, if you want to scale, that's, that's going to be doing these things, implementing these things from day one, even when you're by yourself, is, is going to make the scaling process easier. And of course, the profitability. We've got a question yeah. um, here from the audience. I think you were talking about this a little bit. Uh, Rick Bradford says, how do you handle a customer who uh, tries to tell you what the price is? <laughs> and <laughs> I know you, you kind of mentioned, you know, knowing what the price actually is by doing the job costing over time will give you the confidence to say, is, you know, do you have anything to add? Well, and that's the main thing is that they have heard either from a television show or a right. newspaper article uh, how much something should cost. Right. And th the simplest part of that is that, you know, I, I will explain to people, this is custom work and you've asked me to price it and I'm willing to do this job for this amount. And, and I'm telling you that from experience uh, where did you get your information? Mm -hmm. And it's and and it's like, well, I heard it on again. I heard it on TV, you know, or I asked my cousin's second, you know, relative right. aunt whose whose husband was a tile guy. Yeah. You know, I asked them what it cost, and then and usually, you know, I can I can go down that road. And I, you know, when a woman complained to me one time, for example, uh, I charged her to hang a screen door, and she thought it should have been seven dollars. And because that's what her dad had paid. And you know, this woman was 80 years old. Right. And it was like, man, this is, it's just every, all the prices have, have gone up since then, you know, and she was sincerely wrong. And, uh, and so again, someone that's throwing a number at you, I just take that off the table. It's like, this is, this is what it will cost my company to do this work. Uh, this, this is my price. Yeah. And then I just, I just smile because it's really, they have no, it's like, I've, I've been, pricing jobs for decades. So I know exactly what it costs and this is what it will cost to do this job according to what I see needs to be done and the prep work and the detail that's going to be involved in this. And they really, they can, they can, uh, they can be upset, but they can't really, they, there's no defense against the truth. Yeah. And so that's why knowing your numbers, it, it was kind of a surprise at how much confidence it gave us in our right. price. Right. Um, because, and again, and you really have to, you have to meet that head on. It's like, you know, and, and one of my, my favorite things too, if, if, or when that ha does happen, you know, I inform people, you can have this job done for less. Right. And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, you can have this job done for a bottle of liquor. There's a guy on the corner downtown who, if you will give him a bottle of liquor, he will come to your house and he will, he will lay this top. Right. Right. Now, do you want him to come do that? No, you don't. Because he's not a professional and he doesn't know what he's doing. And he actually will make the situation worse instead of better. And it's like, and usually, I mean, I'm telling him that story and laughing the whole time because they get it. Mm -hmm. It's like, and so it really is, right. it's not debatable. My price is not, you can't debate me on price. If, if you, if somehow you know more than I do about this job, then you are in the wrong business. You should be doing this. And, uh, and it's like, so it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's a non-issue because of, you know, your own personal experience. 
And again, you don't, uh, and you never bid against somebody's friend or something on TV. It's like that's that has no bearing in reality. And that confidence, that confidence that only can come after you really know what it's costing you to do the work, that confidence sells. And and people can pick up on that confidence. And if you don't have that confidence, if you're a little wishy-washy or even, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's a there's even Rob, maybe you can tell us like there's probably some negotiation. There should always be, in my opinion, some nego- some room for negotiation because some people, that's just the way they do business. Would you agree with that? Um, I actually don't, Lou. Okay. Um, I, I took the position that if I give you a, a different price than I lied to you the first time, mm. and, I'll, and I'll tell the client that, is that this is my price to do this job based on what I know, mm-hmm. you know about mm-hmm. the job. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm willing to take the risk and to do this job for this lump sum. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, and that's it. It's wow. like there, there is, there's no debate and there's no discussion about yeah. details and there's no, you know, they're not going to help me on the weekend in Unless order they, to lower the price. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. If you We've wanna, all been through that. If you want to watch so, the so, price chain goes up and if you want to help, the price goes up even more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Man, and, and literally, they, there really is no, uh, uh, there's, there's just no benefit to that. Uh, I, I just decided, you know, when I first started in business, I decided I'm going to tell them the truth and give them the price. And again, and, and then I, if they ask me to lower it, then I will laugh. I will smile and laugh at them and say, if I lower my price, then I'm, tell, I'm showing you that I'm a liar mm-hmm. from the first price I gave you. And I'll, and I'll say, this is not real estate and it's not used cars. Mm-hmm. I said, this is a job. It's a skilled job. And this, and, and so my price is fixed and I just smile and that's it. Either it's either a yes or no. How about changing um, the scope of the work to lower the price? Abso- Maybe a I will tile. absolutely yeah. change the scope. That would be the yeah, negotiation. Yeah. And I will give to a certain degree. I will give them lesser, you know, uh, tile. Yeah. But then I get, I get to a certain point where it's like, I, I will not buy that tile that's on sale at, at the big box store. Right. It's, the, it, it is dangerous. It will crack. It will break. It is. It may not be square. You know, it's right. like there, right. there are problems with that. So there's even with that, there's a limit. Mm-hmm. But doing and my company is a design remodel company. And so and I explain to people, here's your price for what you said you want. And if, if it's like, we can't go ahead, it's too expensive. I said, I, well, I'll then say, that's not a problem. And I'll pull up the scope of work and all my paperwork and I'll spread it out. And I'll say, tell me what you're willing to change right. and we can change the price. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not, but it has nothing to do with my own personal character. Right. I'll, right. I'll pull anything out of the job they want me to, to get them to a number, but I will not uh, just randomly quote a different number. It, it's, uh, it's, that's just disgusting to me. I just, I just yeah, don't want to yeah. do it. You know, I don't want to live that way. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's good. That, that's, that makes sense because you're knowing, you're knowing your numbers and you're knowing that you're going to hit that 10% profit. And that 10% profit is a very honorable number. I mean, I, you can, even 20% is an honorable number, even, th- you yeah. know, whatever you're comfortable with and, and the way you want to direct your business. If you want to have, you know, 40% net profit, that's up to you. And as long as you're up front with that, with yourself and, you know, know that that's the number you're, you're hitting um, and, and you will find your clients. So I, I, I do appreciate that um, thought. Tell us a little bit about, even though this is a luxury, we, I, you know, I'm fully on board. It's something that should be done. 
Uh, how can we get started doing this as a small company? You know, that's really the simplest thing. Is like I mentioned, you take, take you can take a piece of paper, take any job that you're working on mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. or any job you're about to start, and you make a list. And on, on my list in particular, I've got the design, the permit, if it requires a permit. A lot of times with tile, it may not, but it, depending on if it spills over into some plumbing or sure. some other things you're doing, you know. Um, so a lot of some of these things you won't be dealing with. There's the concrete, the Duroc, cement board, the Schluter system or the Weddy system, the, the fasters, the nails, the screws, the adhesives, the, you know, the thin set, the glues, the mortar, uh, the mud bed, um, the cement, the sand. And then in framing, it's, it's always interesting how so many people think when you lay when you're laying tile that it's just about the tile, right. but if it's all about getting the walls square and plumb, right. you know, there's the prep work that you have to sometimes guess. And occasionally I have to go back and I say this, no one could see through the wall and right. this stud is completely bowed and completely damaged. And we're going to have to fix this. If it's small, you know, I try to have enough extra into my labor and materials so that I can just, grab another two before slide it in the wall, mm-hmm. pin that off and keep going. But, um, but there are surprises there, there is water damage and there's bad, there's bad situations where you have to go back. And actually in my contract, uh, it, I go ahead and address the change order in, in my contract so that if we find something that we don't know about, we will let you know before we fix it and we, and there will be a price change and you will write us a check up front to do it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we just spell that out so that we take care of it ahead of time, but the framing, then you've got the tile, the trim, uh, the insulation. If you're putting insulation into the exterior wall where there never was any, um, and then you've got the plumbing pieces and then the, uh, the glass or the shower doors, or if, if you're also doing the mirrors and then specialties, I always have a category that says specialties. And then the final cleanup, I have everything in there and I have numbers out beside every one of those things. And I have exact numbers. I don't try to fatten something up. If, if I'm going to be able to clean up the job, then it's like, okay, at the very end, maybe I'll have another, you know, 15 to 30 minutes you know, right. because I've been cleaning as I went along. Right. And I said, but on my remodeling jobs, I have cleaning crews come in mm-hmm. and it's hundreds of dollars that I have right. to have into the price right. for them to do this final cleaning. Yeah. And it's like, but my promise to the homeowner is that they'll be able to walk in and use the bathroom when we get, you know, when we, we get through if it's, if it's doing a bath. And so there is some cleaning involved. And so what you do is you list every one of those items and you put a number out beside of it. And then all of that, you add your materials and labor or subcontractors if you've subcontracted to the plumber, for example. You add that, get your total, add your markup to that, which and which includes your net profit. Mm-hmm. And of course, my income as the owner of the business is now paid for out of administrative, not you know from the field. Mm-hmm. So my income has to be in there. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I want to make that you know 10% net uh, profit. And so you have all of that. Materials are listed, labor is listed what I expected it to cost, what it actually costs. Were there any other costs that I didn't think about? Mm-hmm. You know, did I need, you know, a, did, do I need to have something in here that goes in with, you know, with this number because I've got to replace those blades? Um, you know, as, as what kind of maintenance expenses do I have, you know, in the field? Mm-hmm. And so everything that's possible, you just make two columns. This is what I expected it to cost. This is what it costs. 
And uh, you can do it very simple at the very beginning. You can say, well, I expected this job to cost $2,000. It costs Mm $2,150. So, you know, there's 150 somewhere that you didn't account for or that you lost either in production or administrative hasn't shown you how, you know, that happened. Uh, But somehow you're still losing that money. You've got to dig in. Where is the hole in the boat? Mm -hmm. You've got to fix the hole in the boat. Once you do that, then you can sit back and relax. And you know that every job you do from then on, all of that stuff is accounted for. And, you know, and and you know that the price I'm giving you is not a guess. It's exact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if my, if my total number is off consistently, and that's something any of us can do on our former jobs. I expected it to cost this much. It cost me this much. Why? What was the variance? If you'll name the variance, if you, if you'll give that variance a name, then you can conquer it, but you've got to name it. You've got to go dig in there. You've got to go find a little exploratory surgery, go in after it, see what it is. Once you, once you name it, then you can control it. Mm-hmm. And which is true about a lot of other things in your life, but you take the problem and you boil it down until there's a, there's a question. And so there's, there's a question about that problem. Once you have the question, you can get the answer. Mm. And, and some people say, well, what does this take, Rob? Does it take two years to get to that point? And it was like, you can do this tomorrow if you want to. Yeah. Okay. As that it really has to do with what do you want to do? Do you want to keep playing this game and just letting it go? Or do you want to control your numbers? Do you want to have confidence in your prices? Then you're going to have to change. I was not someone who was, I'm, I'm creative. I don't necessarily care for all the paperwork, but I have more paperwork in my life now than I did, you know, coming, coming out of school. It was, I just realized that if I want to be a success, I have to plan the job. I would rather fix it by hitting it with a hammer. But if I want to be a success, I have to plan and I have to know all the parts and pieces so that I can win the game. Yeah. And you can make this change in your life literally tomorrow. Mm-hmm. The problem is most people don't think they can make a change that quick. And so they never make the change. Mm-hmm. So you can take every job that you did in the past year and you can see how much did I say it would cost? How much did I lose? And then you can say, what was the percentage of that job? And then you can add all the percentages up and you can find out I am losing you know, this much on every job that I do. Yeah. Here's, the, here's the quick fix. And this is the, one of the first fixes that I used. I raised my prices. Right. I don't know where I'm losing money. I got holes in the boat. I need a pump to get the water out of this thing. I got to fix it. Yeah. And later I'll come back and find out, you know, all the details. And so that's actually, you know, one of my first solutions was to do that. It was like, and I found out through, you know, talking with other people that my prices were wrong, that I could charge more than I was charging. That I wanted my prices to be the same as the top five remodelers or, you know, or contractors in the city Mm -hmm. uh, in in my niche. I wanted to be right in that in that area. And so I kept looking at and and then I got to the point where it was like, well, what if they're not charging enough? And so I wanted to find more information and more data to see what I could do. And then it got to the point where I really don't care exactly. If my price is what it costs me to do this, I don't care what they're charging. They can raise their prices to, to meet me. I'm going to charge what I need to. I'm going to sell you know, the project professionally. 
and get the work and do the job and make a living. And if someone insists on paying less, they're not my customer. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I'm going to give them service that goes along with that, with that high price. And uh, my, again, my goal is to be normal price. But that means I find the top other five best people in the city. And that becomes the standard. Yeah. And so that's, a, that's one way that, that I approach that. Yeah is uh, you just, you dig in and you, you find out what the truth is and then you, you make decisions and, and move ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. And for, for me that, you know, installing tile, running a crew, doing all that, the, the quickest way was just to have a file for each job. Uh, all the receipts go in there every day, the hours go in there, who did what, um, you, you, you're, you know, your job costing, you're keeping track of, you know, grout colors, all that stuff in one file. And, and yeah. like Rob is saying, at the end of every job, you should be doing, uh, you know, the job costing. What did it, what did you think it was going to cost? What did you bid it at versus what did it actually cost? And that way you can make corrections, small corrections. And, and over the course of, you know, months, you know, you're going to, you're going to be in much better shape. Now is a great time. Like Rob was saying, raise your prices. I mean, I preach this. Now is a great time to raise our prices with the amount of work um, I'm hearing. You know, even even with the the recent you know troubles, people are still you know home buying is up, uh, consumer spending is up still, and, and remodeling and, and tile contractors are booked out. Rob, what? It's also a dangerous time, in my opinion, because. We're all, you're all so busy running around from one job to the next, you know, trying to get get as much as you can. Um, but slow down. I would say slow down. Make sure that each, for every week you have, you know, for every job you have some time, you know, set, set aside. And really you should be billing for it to do this administrative work. You know, that should be part of what yeah. you're billing for is, hey, and what, do you have a percentage? Um, do you have like, I mean, I've heard like, you know, 10% or 20% of your time should be spent in the office if you're a business owner. Do you have any recommendations like that, Rob? You know, for, for me, I, I did, I made all the mistakes that, that everybody goes through. Yeah. Uh, like I said, there were no conventions. There were no consultants. There was nobody. When we started, there were no books. Mm-hmm. There was nothing when we started in, in the business. And so uh, we have a collection of, uh, of you know, major mistakes. Um, actually, I, I was, uh, uh, I came in one evening and my wife and the kids, and we put the kids down and we were out, out back uh, sitting around the pool and uh, we were talking about a friend of mine who had uh, who was traveling all the time. And I felt pretty good about the fact that, you know, I was staying home near the family. And so I just I was bashing him to my wife, you know, that uh, he's, he's never home. He's, you know, he's, he's never even home to eat you know, a meal with his kids. And my wife, you know, just really I don't think she even looked up. She just said, you're never here to eat with us. Yeah. And I was I was like, what are you talking about? And I'm, I'm here every night. And she said, you come screeching in the driveway at seven o'clock at night and you tuck the kids in bed. They just gotten out of out of the tub, you know, into the into the pajamas and you tuck the kids in bed. And then you come down and you warm supper in the microwave. You watch a pre-recorded television show so that you can eliminate the commercials and only takes 42 minutes to watch a show. And so I do that and then I'm efficient. And then I, she said, you go back to work. You go to the home office until two in the morning and then tomorrow the same thing hits again. And 
honestly, I didn't know I was doing that. I was just working hard and trying to take care of my family. And I had no idea what I was actually doing. And a relative of mine, right about the same time, he was, I was 36 when that happened. He was 39. He was building 40 houses a year and he died of a heart attack. And I told my wife, it was kind of what, what he went through actually helped me in that what I, I told my wife, I said, this is crazy. Yeah. Uh, and I said, I really didn't realize what I was doing. Give me a week. I'll come back to you with a plan and we'll change this. And so, and so a week later, we were sitting out, out back around the pool. And uh, I said, I'm going to work 40 hours a week, five days a week, no evenings, no weekends. And if I can't make it, I'll do something else. And so during, during that next year, um, the company, the size of the company shrunk by half. But what had happened is I had to make better decisions. I forced myself. I only had eight hours a day. Right. I could not, I could not work in the evenings anymore. And so everything had to be done during the day. So I had to have paperwork with me, you know, in the truck or the van. And I had to process everything and make the phone calls while overseeing the crews and, uh, and what was going on. And oh, actually at that time while working on the job and um, one year later, um, I was working 40 hours a week, no evening appointments. I met all my clients during the day um, and no weekends. And our revenue had doubled because, because I had to work smarter. Mm-hmm. I had proved that I would work hard, but I wasn't working smart. And yeah. what we're talking about today about job costing, however, however you put that together, you've got to work smart mm-hmm. because once, once you do that, I literally can take that whole section of my business and because I built a system and that's how it works, it works that way on every job. All of that data comes in. All I get all of that, that the information is processed and I get the results and I know how we're doing. And so, and then I can actually let go. I don't have to keep up with it. I don't have to wonder. And because I fixed something by building uh, this, this system that protects me. And, uh, and so I began to learn that, you know, those guys, the geeks in the office who don't do anything some of the things that they do are really important and especially if they do it right. 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 (laughs) And, uh, and so the more I began to take on that role and then it was like, well, what else, how do I increase the business? If I'm only working 40 hours, what do I do? And then for me, it meant that I needed to have project managers overseeing crews. And so I, so we grew to seven project managers overseeing seven projects and, and no one was allowed to work past five o'clock mm. and no one was allowed to work on the weekend. Right. And so my crews appreciated that because it protected their home life and their family. And so it was a better place to come to work, but we had to keep streamlining the business and polishing it down and tightening it to build this machine so that m- this business machine that we owned would run well. And would run well every day, day yeah. in and day out. It would do exactly what it's supposed to do without any hassle. And so now I don't have to do anything when it comes to job costing. <laughs> All of that is set up and it happens. And I just get the reports. Right. You know, how are we doing? Are the jobs going okay? Do we, you know, is there a mistake somewhere that we need to fix? Yeah. And then we and then we concentrate on fixing that. 
Wow. But it's, it's really important. Every piece of how your business operates, if you will just take that step. And, and again, many people, you know, of course, I'm dealing with a lot of folks when I'm consulting with them about fixing their entire business. And they're saying, what's it going to take four or five years for me to do this? And I said, it actually, you can do this as quick as you say you will do it. Yeah. You know, the, the thing that's slowing it down is you're making decisions. If you will trust this, if, if you will do this process that we talked about here on the show today, if you will implement that, you can tuck that away and all that data will speak to you and you'll go, I thought I thought I could still buy a bag of a thin set for seven bucks. And you go, no, you know, you're, you forget prices are changing. 14, and, yeah. and actually that was one interesting thing I noticed in 2008 uh, I went in to get some paint when everything just had collapsed. I went in to get some paint at Sherwin-Williams and they had raised their price $4 a gallon. And I was like, well, that's odd. And, and then I went in the next year and they had right, raised their price another $4 a gallon. And I watched them raise the price on their product 3 to $4 a gallon per year for every year we went through that you know, the, the effects of the re- recession. And then I watched them change their advertising program to what you were talking about. Oh, well, yes, our paint does cost $60 a gallon, but we're running a sale every other week and you're going to get a deal. So they're going after that person who's looking for the bargain, who's looking for the sale. I'm going after a client who realizes they want to move in, they want to do this bathroom and, and plumbing and tile work. You know, you're talking about a lifetime product, right? You know, and, and this is something you want to pay for that once, right? Right. You know, and so you know, anything like that, it's like I'm doing this so it will last over, you know, for years. Yeah. And so my clients aren't looking at, um, uh, in particular, I I don't work for clients who are looking for a deal. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's because of the way we brand the company and present the company, that people are looking for someone who will come in and get the whole thing done and take care of them and do it well. Yeah. And, uh, and then we have a guarantee that backs that up. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that, that kind of, in essence, keeps us on the hook. Yeah, uh, that's so, a, yeah that'll have to be a good uh, follow-up discussion because that's a big problem in the and the tile industry. That story that you told, Rob, that's really going to resonate with a lot of people. Thank you for sharing. You know, Matthew here says he's, you know, not had a day off for a while. It's getting to be too much. I hear you, Matthew. I've been there. Richard also yeah. says he's had the same issue. The only person I said no to was my wife. I thought I needed to save <laughs> everyone else or everyone needed oh, me. You know, this good. is, this is, yeah. this hits home, Richard. Uh, I have the same problem. My wife says, you bend over backwards for everybody else but me. Yeah. And it's that's not right. Well, we do. That's not right. Yeah. It's, it's the way some of yeah. us are, are wired, though, isn't it? Well, and Luke, think about it. It's like the, the reason we are in this business, whatever right. the name of the business is, we are in a service business. Mm-hmm. That means you're dealing with individuals who have decided to serve someone else for a price. Right. But but your whole makeup is is to serve this other person and to help them mm-hmm. and to do this great work for them, and it's like and we do you know I realize that not only you know is it is it harming me, but and um, and my family, but it's like I had to change everything, 
and say, you know, either this works or I'll go to work for someone else if I have to. But yeah. so, uh, this has got to work, you know, or I'll, I'll go a different direction. And, uh, and you have to have that attitude toward it. Um, that's when I, you know, I realized I was way underpricing my work. Yeah. And that's when I realized that not only that, but I could also do my work better. I could be more efficient. I could actually run my business so that it produced the work better and faster, and which compounded, you know, my uh, my net profit. And so, you know, that's the another you know piece of this. The other thing is, as I tell people, I said I got to go to all the little league games. Yeah, yeah. And and you can't get those back. Right. You can never get them back. Right. You know, it's like I missed my daughter's birthday one yeah, year yeah. because I was out of town working and I can't get that back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had the same experience. I mean, I was, I, you know, I have one daughter and when my wife was pregnant, I started working, you know, six days a week and then seven days a week. And I did have that end goal in mind, but stopping that machine was like a, trying to stop a train when my daughter was born. And I, I, I was able to get under control, but I remember, you know, leaving the hospital the day after my daughter was born to go to the job site. And I just felt like it, I, I just didn't feel like myself. I thought this business has, is now running me. I'm, I'm out right. of control. You know, I, I, I'm not controlling the situation. And that's when I had mm-hmm. kind of my clear, clarity moment and similar <laughs> story to yours, actually, where the, for the next 12 months, I did half the amount of volume but the the revenue stayed the same, so of course my profit went up uh, closer yeah. to where it was supposed to be, and I worked five days a week um, or less because you know we had yeah. a newborn. But uh, <laughs> so and it can be done. It can you be have done. To dem- yeah. You have to demand that of that of that business. Yeah, it literally it's literally like a wild stallion, and you have got to harness it mm-hmm. and make it work for you. Yeah, and just by making a few different decisions. You can fix these things that that are literally messing up your life so much, right. uh, and, and that's bottom line of what it is. I mean, it's like I, I tell people I even got to go to my daughter's ballet recitals, which I still hate. But you go because it's your, you know, it's your daughter. That's what she cares about. Right. And uh, and it's like, but it's like, what what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, it's right. like, and I mean, I was meeting with, I met with a client one night at nine 30. I had another appointment at 11 o'clock at night. Wow. I got home at one 30 and it was like, what am I doing? I was working around the clock. I was, you know, I was literally mm-hmm. working and not sleeping Yeah, and, and just to, to, to try to get the volume up. And then what I did as I backed up and I realized I can build this system where I have crews and I have people who are managing the job and they're in charge and we can all benefit and all work. And uh, one way that I looked at that, you know, Luke, was I was I said one time I stopped. I said, I can be the best trim carpenter uh, in the state. But there's a ceiling. I can only make so much money if I do that. Mm-hmm. And then I went, well, the best trim carpenter in the state already exists. I could hire him and his two helpers and they could do the job. And the truth is at the moment they're better than I am mm-hmm. and they're three times as fast. Yeah. So I can speed up my business. I can speed up my production. I can write a contract with them and have them do that. And I can do that with every other trade you know, in my business. And I can have a completely different business where the volume I can, you know, and of course I can expand my company or shrink my company 
however I want to uh, because of the way that I'm structured. I, I, I run a different operating system than most businesses. And so I can get the volume or I can concentrate you know, on speed and efficiency and make more money that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. And it all boils down to, you know, tracking those numbers and, yeah. and, you know, job costing and, and having a system. So, um, we're, we're coming up here on an hour, Rob. So, uh, we'll wind oh, this thing up sorry. and he, no, 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 this is good. This is right where we want to be. And, uh, I know you, you gave us a lot of valuable advice. Did we miss anything? I was looking over my list um, to see if if I had hit everything. I think that I did. Um, well, there's one item on here: the quicker you get the data, the faster you can implement changes mm-hmm. because you have no, you have knowledge. Yeah. And it's like, and the thing is, you you already have that knowledge is sitting at your fingertips right now. Right. You can get that knowledge, and you can make those changes that you need to. Um, and again, part of that is is talking to other people and finding out what's going on in your industry, having conversations with others. That has, was immensely helpful. Um, when, when we, I finally got to attend, you know, conventions and meetings and I got into an association and developed those friendships. And, and then one day I realized I can really tell these guys anything. Um, I don't really have to protect right. all my secrets, my trade secrets, uh, the truth is most of them aren't going to be willing to pay the price that I did to get what I got. Mm-hmm. And so they're not going to be competing against me. Um, and if I could help them, mm-hmm. why wouldn't I just go ahead and do that? And then when I began to do that, then they started reciprocating. There was, there was one fellow who was, uh, he lived about 15 miles away and someone called me and asked me to do a job for him. And I knew he was in the same association and it was in his backyard. And so I said, I recommended him that if they would call him, he actually lived in their city with them and could take care of them. I mean, I had to go through all kinds of traffic to even get to that city. Right. And uh, well, he gets a phone call from a lady who says that, you know, that I have recommended him. Yeah. Well, here's the beauty of that. About a month later, I get a phone call from a client who lives in my city, mm-hmm. who says that he recommended them right. to me yeah. so that he wouldn't have to come and travel because it's going to cost us eight to, eight to 10% just for the traveling wow. that we were going to have to do. We're going to lose that. And so what happens is, and now, and we're still friends and we still communicate that way. And we still, it's like, I'll let them have that. And the truth is I didn't lose anything. Right. What I did is I gained a deeper friendship with him and and we can talk about anything, and it's just um, uh, and you need you need friends around you. You need people who will tell you the truth mm. and will help you build your business. Yeah. And so you need to reach out. You need to ask questions. It's like it all starts by asking questions. Absolutely, I love it. I yeah. love it. I I would do the same thing. You know, try to try to keep my circle of work tighter and tighter as. As the business grows, you should be traveling less and less, and you should know who to who to recommend outside of that, you know, zone of, of sure. your comfort zone for travel time or whatever it is. For yeah. sure, for sure. Well, uh, listen, Rob, where can people find you? Uh, you have a Facebook group. Remind remind us of what that's called for for contractors and. Yeah, for remodeling contractors, it's remodel it, uh, building a better remodeling business. Okay. 
Uh, and yeah, we're on Facebook and uh, anybody, they can just mention, you know, uh, Lashley will show up in their information when they, if they want to join the group or see what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But then they can also, I spend every Tuesday uh, talking to people for free. And so I take appointments and uh, 30 minute or one hour appointments all day long on Tuesdays and we'll answer any questions for anybody um, just to help them. And, uh, and so, and, and we advertise that in that group uh, for any, for anyone. So uh, please take advantage of that. Yeah. Be glad to be glad to help you. Yeah. And I can speak to that last Tuesday, Rob and I spent like an hour or more on the phone and it was very beneficial, you know? Uh, uh, yeah, we're asking, uh, for the link. So Matthew, I'll get you that link to that Facebook group. Uh, very beneficial. Take advantage of Rob's generous, uh, offer there of the free, you know, coaching call. And, uh, Rob, I'm looking forward to more interviews. I know we have more to talk about. Joseph said outstanding conversation. Thank you all. Um, thank you for your time. Uh, so thanks for being here, Joseph, Matthew, Richard, Rick, and there was a bunch of others that didn't comment. Thank you guys for watching. And uh, Rob, looking forward to talking to you in the future. Until until then, uh, Tile Friends, stay profitable out there. All right, Tile Friends, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Rob. Rob's a great guy. Uh, I really enjoy talking with him and take him up on his offer with a free coaching call. I mean, you can't beat that. This guy knows his stuff. Trust me, I've talked with him a couple times now. And when it comes to business or just life, he's like talking to a father figure. For me personally, you know, talking to somebody who really can uh, help you out and help you with making decisions big and small. So check him out. Rob Bauer, thanks again for being on the podcast. Tile friends, if you need a website, head over to happytileguy.com. Check out what we're doing over there. You're, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. We're building modern streamlined websites, really nice looking websites for tile contractors. And we're SEO focused, search engine optimized. That is what we're focusing on to help generate leads for your tile business. Until next week, stay profitable tile friends. I hope you're having a great week.